0: Welcome to where we land a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast this morning. My name is Aaron, and I am joined here in the studio with my co-host, Stephen. Hello, everyone. And Morgan.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: Hey guys, we're glad you tuned in to where we land today. And we have an exciting episode that we're talking about, The Stranger Among You. So we hope you join us for the full discussion this morning. All right, guys. Well, today we're talking about a really important topic, talking about the stranger among you. But, you know, I think it's important before we jump into the topic this morning for everybody to get an understanding of of Morgan's background. Right. Because um, Morgan does not just serve here at the church, but Morgan wears a lot of hats
1: many many hats. Many
0: hats. What's your hat rack look like right now. <laughs> you got a lot of hats. Yeah. Tell us about your hat rack real quick. Yeah. Oh
1: my goodness, the hat rack. It's insane. Um but I am totally amped for this episode today because we will be talking about refugees and immigrants and everyone who is a stranger among us to our nation and um I I, You guys will hear it throughout the episode, but I just love um, refugees. I grew a heart for them and a passion for working with them while I was toward, nearing the end of high school. And then in college, that's what I decided to um, really target my social work degree in. And now I am working part time at Commonwealth Catholic Charities um, here in Roanoke. And my job description is working with um refugee women and helping them adapt and acculturate and overcome specific barriers to them. And it is a, it's, it's a dream job. It is so exciting and wonderful. I mean,
0: it's so one of those things too, that God just opened up for you. Cause yeah. I'll never forget like us talking about it. And you had been working at the church for a while. And then you're like, you'll never believe like this opportunity that came up. And when you told me about it, I was like, what a slam dunk for it like your was. passions, your gifts, the things that you enjoy doing. And um, I mean, just to even think about like something like that, here, you know, yeah. available for you. I just, th- I just thought that was real exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's what's crazy. I mean, it took me leaving, going to college, and then doing an internship to find out that Roanoke is a huge refugee resettlement city.
2: Huge. Yeah. Huge.
1: Huge. I lots mean, lots of
2: Somalians actually, very much so. Nepalese. Lots of Nepalese. So, and, and those
1: that was actually even from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing tons of people from the Congo, Iraq, mm-hmm. Afghanistan, um, Burundi. We even have some people from Burma. So mm-hmm. it's it's really insane how diverse and the nations are literally coming to our doorstep Mm. in Roanoke
0: exactly so when when you got the job at Catholic Charities out of of all the things that you've been doing now I think you've been there whatever a year and a half
1: um, well, I did my internship back in 2019. So okay. combined times probably around that, but yeah. I've been working there as an employee since September.
0: So since your, your time there, what has been maybe the biggest thing that has opened your eyes in a different way to some things? Cause I know you have been very passionate about this before and even things that you believe God's calling you to do in your life. I mean, in, in many ways, what we're talking about in this episode falls in line with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I guess even in your time of being, you know, there working at Catholic charities. What, what has opened your eyes or what has been the biggest thing that you've like taken away?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing has been putting faces with all of these facts and figures that I've you know researched and, and heard stories about. But when you finally start to work with actual people, they have families, they have hopes and dreams, and, and they are real people with really complex lives just like me. And so when I finally got to start working with people, it just became so much less of this abstract problem going on in the world. But it's it's a real thing that has upended people's lives. You know, becoming a refugee is is one of the most <laughs> traumatic things that can happen. Certainly, um, But yeah, just getting to know people and their stories and just... Becoming kind of a part of their life in a little way. It's been a game changer, really.
0: And what an awesome opportunity. So, you know, this morning, what we want to do is we want to just you know, take some time to kind of inform us and and the, our listeners about just refugees, immigrants, the, the refugee crisis, I mean, I think mm-hmm. most people have at least some working understanding maybe of of the global crisis that is happening in our world today about all this. So, I mean, Morgan, if, if I had to ask you what is a refugee, I mean, what would you – Say. Well,
1: actually, I'd like to bounce that question back to you guys, and <laughs> and I'd like to hear what what comes to your mind when you first think of a refugee.
2: Well, when I think of a refugee, I think of somebody who is uh, forced out of their country, and it's more of a um, passive uh, passive action on them. It's not necessarily like an active seeking. Uh, sometimes I guess it could be, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but when I think of a refugee, I think of a passive, uh, they were forced out of their country. So now they are looking for, I guess the technical term would be asylum. Uh, is that the technical term? I don't really know. in a minute. residency? Would that be a better term? Refugee looking, status, refugee status, whatever they're looking to for a home
0: mm-hmm. somewhere other than where they were forced out of is what I would think of when I think
1: yeah, of a refugee. I think you nailed a lot of
0: Really you were more informed on it than I was. I what know about that. you, Aaron? Like, okay, I'll just say today I feel like I know more about it, <laughs> like even in preparation for this, but um, I remember having you come over to the house one night. You were hanging out with Jessica and I, uh-huh. and we had a bonfire, and I remember, like, you were talking to us about, like, your passions and all these things, and, and I think it was right when you got the job with Catholic Charities. I think Charities. it was, yeah. And, and I was asking you all these questions about it, and I, I realized that night, like, what I thought I knew, like, I knew nothing. Like, I really didn't like I had in my mind so merged the words immigrant and refugee Mm -hmm. that I just thought it was synonymous. Yeah. And, and you were helping to show me like, no, that that's, those are very different things. Like, and so I think I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to the topic. I mean, I I will say, I guess since hanging around you and like, (laughs) um, and even preparing for the episode today, I feel like I'm, I'm better informed as to maybe what's happening in the world. But I, I would say probably, I don't know, I guess my my perception would probably be the perception of I I guess a lot of people like like me who kinda of grew up in I mean, I think and I guess we'll get to it later, but I think you have to recognize that media mm-hmm. and political parties and those type of things have a very profound way of shaping the way and driving the way people would perceive these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually would even say too further. I don't think it's political
2: parties. I think it's our political structure as a whole. Yeah. Be,
0: that's better to say that. Yes.
2: People always want to claim that one party is better than the other in this or yep. that this party is better or that party is better. If you actually look at it with an honest, um, honest mind and an open mind, I think you come away saying, okay, one party says they might be better. One party says this or one party says that, mm-hmm. uh, at the end the whole system's broken down because the ones even that say they care about it, they really don't. And they actually drive a lot more problems with how they've gone about it. And the reason I bring that up is just because I've even had, and we're going to get into like, what is an immigrant? What is a refugee? But I've even had friends who tried to immigrate. Mm. Uh, He married someone who was just trying to immigrate, not even a refugee, just trying to immigrate. And the process was so bad that they ended up moving to um, his wife's country of origin because of it. Right. Like the whole system is literally broken down and you can say what you want in front of a TV camera. Mm -hmm. But until you actually do something about it, nobody's going to buy it or no one should buy it. And I'd
0: affirm that. And I think what I'm just saying is like I'm echoing the fact that like there are so many different cultural voices today yeah. that have such a way of shaping the way. <clears throat> wow. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> uh, we're shape, still changing, <laughs> shape, Shaping the way that we think about this issue. And I yeah. think what I realized as we were preparing for the podcast today was that there is so much that I feel like I have already has already been impressed or it, you know, taught to me through media outlets or through just the, 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 the tenor of the, maybe the culture that I'm in, right? Mm-hmm. That has so shaped my understanding of that, that I actually found when I went back to the Bible and really started working through some verses to realize just how much the Bible stands in opposition to really kind of the cultural voices of the day, yeah. if I could say it that way.
1: Oh, 100%. You know,
0: and, and I think that's for me, For as we're talking about this today, that for me is where I realize that mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things like, There was so much that I realized had already helped, had already shaped my perception of it. Without ever really,
1: yeah,
0: I, I don't know if I'm no, saying it, it right, but it
1: makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate um, your honesty on that, Aaron, because I think that's you are probably with the majority of people in the U.S. right now. And and Stephen, you actually hit a lot of really good points well, in the definition. I can
2: say too that is not. Did you look due at her to, notes? No. So, <laughs> when we were in India, we dealt with many Afghan refugees who yeah. actually were refugees in India. And then also when I worked at um, a local camp here, we actually, during some of our outreach weeks, we would have actual refugee kids mm-hmm. would come because they live here in the inner city. Um, what many people would refer to as the projects or whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever term you have, they live in a more underprivileged section of town and we would have weeks of camp where we would go and they would be scholarship from those underprivileged sections. Yeah. So we would get kids like from Somalia and Nepal and um, so on. So that is the only reason why I was able to even give somewhat of a little bit, maybe of a correct answer. It is not because of necessarily where I grew up or stuff like that. It's more of just exposure to
0: some of that previously yeah. through different parts. Well, that's excellent. So let me ask you then this. So help everybody here on yes. the podcast today. Help delineate for us what qualifies somebody as a refugee. And then we're going to talk about what is an immigrant and the differences between those two. So what is a refugee first? I want that definition. I I was about to jump in and say that. So the
1: definition you can find in the UNHCR, which is the UN High Commissioner for Refugees. They're kind of the refugee authority. Refugees are people who cannot return to their country of origin because of a well-founded fear of persecution, persecution, conflict, violence, or other circumstances that have seriously disturbed public order, and who, as a result, require international protection. So it's a mouthful, but basically, Stephen, you were right. They are forced out of their country, and out of their country is really, really important, because um, right now in the world, there are 79.5 million forcibly displaced people worldwide, and it's probably actually more, because this statistic is a little bit old from UNHCR. That was at the end of 2019.
0: How how many was that again? I missed
1: that. 79.5 million. 79.5 million.
0: Worldwide. So it's probably 80. Yeah, 80 plus. I'm
1: thinking 80 plus forcibly displaced people, but then under forcibly displaced, you have some delineations. So refugees are forcibly displaced. Can
0: I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. So when we think about forcibly displaced, is that because of country forcing them out or is that once again because of like persecution conflict violence those type of things that that make them for their own safety that's a great question yeah
1: yeah yeah so forcibly displaced can mean any number of those things war, um government persecution persecution from family clans and cultural identities and um I'll get into that in the next point, but um, we have to distinguish that not all forcibly displaced people are refugees, but all res- refugees are forcibly displaced. Okay. Because in that number, you have even more than refugees, you have internally displaced people, meaning they never left their country's border. They are just relocated inside their country.
2: Would they be considered a refugee, or are they more just a displaced person who found?
1: We would call these IDPs, Internally okay. Displaced okay. Peoples, because to be a refugee, it means you had to have left your country's yeah.
2: border. Well, the reason I bring that up is because like I even, and this is a terrible explanation, but like I think some people that might be listening would even think, well... There's even sections of like our country where somebody, because of maybe like right now, like racial mm-hmm. um, disparity or whatever, they might have had to be displaced from where they were. And so I just wanted to clarify that for any of our listeners, that there right. is a difference between someone who's relocating within their region and borders mm-hmm. than someone who's relocating outside. Yes.
1: Huge difference. Um, Out of that 79.5 million, 45.7 million are internally displaced, whereas only 26 million are actually refugees. So
2: that's a lot less than I thought.
1: It is because right. there's just so you'll see later on there's just so much um process and paperwork and you know um privileges and disadvantages when it comes to mm-hmm. leaving the country that n- more people will end up staying within their country just because it's so hard to get out.
0: So with the such yeah. a different uh, there's such a drastic Changing the number. Yeah, what then qualifies somebody for that refugee status? So,
1: um, the to qualify for a refugee, the reason for your leaving and the reason for your country persecuting you or um, receiving some sort of violence, it has to be related to one of five categories: race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or political opinion. Hmm. So, and our definition for persecution here is to harass, punish, injure, oppress, or otherwise cause someone to suffer physical or psychological harm. So refugees have met one or all of these categories. Um, They're persecuted because of their race, religion, nationality, membership of the social group, or political opinion. Um, And so the way that, you know, these people have been forced out is because they've experienced imprisonment or torture by political dissidents or their own government. Um, They've been fired on, you know, with weapons by their government, or um, the government has committed genocide against a certain race, or they make sure that members of a certain religion were left out of the political process.
2: Yeah. So I do kind of have a question here for you. As you look at the, I would assume this is a governmental designation by our government, correct? Mm -hmm. When you look at that, I think some people think that it's super easy to get refugee status. I, I think some people have this thing in the back of their mind who are like listeners right now. They're just like, anybody can get refugee status. You just walk in the door and you get it. But in my personal experience, just of talking with people and seeing some people get rejected, who probably should have been accepted. Is that true or is it actually pretty hard to get refugee status? And some of that actually maybe could be something that could be looked at down the road.
1: So that is a very complex question. So the first thing that we need to kind of dispel is that the US is the authority on the global refugee situation. That is not true. The UN has control of that. And so the UN, this is actually international definitions. And so if you meet these qualifications, and you leave your country, you are a refugee, but to get placed and relocated and resettled in the united states is very difficult number one because we take the fewest amount of refugees in the world right now really um and there could be people who take less but um when you look at it um some of these uh, 73 percent of refugees are are hosted in neighboring countries in camps Mm. so you think of jordan that's next to syria um and you, you just think of all of these where the u.s like we have a lot of work to do on our refugee policy, basically. It, the process to resettle anywhere officially is very, very, very long. Um, and the amount of time that people spend in camps is ridiculous. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um,
0: <clears throat> so if I'm hearing you right, though, there are refugees and immigrants. Mm-hmm would refugees also be classified as immigrants? No. No, Okay, so So they are different. They are different. They are not interchangeable terms. They are not. not, Yeah. Yes. So
1: for um, a refugee, and um, they have been displaced forcibly out of their country, they didn't have a choice.
0: So when you're thinking about all this in like world population those numbers are always added up separately.
1: Yes. So we when we looked at that forcibly displaced people, that was including refugees, intern- internally displaced people, asylum seekers as well.
0: But not including immigrants. Not including yes. so, immigrants. So okay. you're our
2: dyt Can mm-hmm. you give us a decent definition of immigrant to contrast with... Um, with refugee, and obviously we don't have to do this for everything, but just so we can have like the bookends of like yes. refugee and immigrant, and then the things that might fall in between, sure. like we were talking about like IDP and mm-hmm. all, like all those things, yeah. they might fall in between.
1: So just think of any, any refugee, they have not had the choice to leave and they were forced out by violence, war, persecution, etc. Yeah. But an immigrant is somebody who just chooses to move to a different country. And, you know, they could face some of the same issues, like um, there's a lot of think about Central and South America. There's a lot of cartel violence and there's just not as many good job opportunities. People who are just seeking a more secure and better life in another country. Those would be immigrants. They haven't been forced out or forced they're to flee. They're not forced.
2: They're choosing mm-hmm. even no matter their situation. Right. They, they are still willingly choosing. Yes, because for for whatever reason, somewhere. they don't meet okay. one of
1: those five qualifications where they're okay. being persecuted and have a well-founded fear of returning home. And that's another big thing too. refugees cannot go back to their country. If they go back and settle there, they are no longer a refugee. But immigrants, they can move fluidly back and forth because they don't fear for their life when returning.
2: Yeah. And I think that brings us up to another point here in the topic of what is an immigrant. Is there a difference between like documented and undocumented? Because I think that that's a big thing right now. And I, I assume many of our listeners would even have different opinions on that. However, we're not necessarily here to talk about those opinions, but we are wanting to define, is there a difference between documented and undocumented? Or is it just like, oh, it's an immigrant, it's the same thing, it's all good?
1: Yeah, huge difference. Okay. So an undocumented immigrant refers to anyone resi- residing in a given country without legal documents. Basically, they did not start the immigration process as they should have before they came to the United States. There's so an
0: undocumented immigrant would would be what most people refer to as illegal immigration?
1: Yes, okay. or an illegal alien, and these yeah. words are really loaded with. I was gonna say yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah. a lot of rhetoric. And, yes. But
2: but it is still is saying that there is a process for immigration. They mm-hmm. are not following the process mm-hmm. in, if they are undocumented, or they are not currently following the process the way it was laid out sure. to be. Not or, whether the process is, whether there reasons, whether the process, mm-hmm. we're not diving into any of that. We're just saying are right. not following the process.
1: Or it can be anyone who entered with a legal visa that it has expired. So they no gotcha. longer have legal documents. Still not
2: following the process the way it should be, but just in a different way. They followed it and then they kind of were just like, eh, we'll let it run out. Yeah. right, Right. Yeah. And
1: so that's the big thing. A lot of people think refugees, illegal immigrants, or undocumented immigrants equal the same thing. Not true. We
0: lump all three of those things (laughs) in one category we lump refugees undocumented and i mean refugees undocumented immigrants Uh and documented immigrants all into one
1: yeah and so um it really does a disservice because refugees are a protected legal status internationally not just in the united states so
0: regardless whatever whatever the media culture is shaping at any particular point for any one of those three groups of people Mm -hmm. often feels like it's, it's being interpreted into the masses of all that. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, we do live in like the,
2: our culture is one of broad brushing right now. And like generalization. I mean, if you just look at media right now over any topic that's being reported on, it's all of this is bad. mm -hmm. All of this is good. You know, like all, all, um, all cops are bad. That's, yeah. a, that's a, that's a message right now. All cops are bad. And that's a generalization that is very harsh and wrong and not a great, not a great
0: generalization, you know? And then okay. we can say
2: all of this is yeah. good, you mm-hmm. know? So that's, I think that's just due to the generalization culture
0: we live in. But so for, for our discussion today, we're talking about a refugee is somebody that is forcibly displaced mm-hmm. because of persecution, conflict, violence, those five things that you mentioned. Yes. Whereas immigration and an immigrant is somebody who would come to a country. Mm-hmm. And there's often reasons that, bring them there right Mm -hmm. I mean they're what what are some of those things I mean what are
1: Yeah, I touched on it a bit before. Better job opportunities, safer communities to live in. Um, Educational opportunities are often quite better for people who are seeking to immigrate. Um, Especially
0: for women. I was even thinking family. Like family and friends probably is a big part of that.
1: Being closer to family um, and even finding better ways to provide for family back in your country of origin. Um, And even escaping violence. It's it's very common for people to immigrate to escape domestic violence, cartel violence, gang-related violence. And so the big thing, though, about... Um, immigration is that you have to remember there is a measure of freedom and, and liberty to make that choice of their own volition and I think that's the biggest distinguishing factor here
0: I would totally agree with that and the one thing that stood out to me this week as I was kind of preparing for this was that by and large the people that migrate to the United States are the people that have the financial means to do so right I mean because there's probably a large I mean I don't want to get into this either but there is probably a large portion of the world that would look to migrate to other countries, but simply because of finances, they're limited in where they could go.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that as well. And that's where you kind of run into Im- immigration is expensive. You have to pay all kinds of lawyer fees to get all your paperwork done correctly and processing and, and application right. fees. And, and that's the, that's why many people would rather take the risk come by way of, uh, especially from the Southern, uh, our Southern, um, which border. is, I think, why
0: you see so much emphasis on the borders of the United States. Right. Right?
1: Because, and, and really, I heard a statistic, this was a couple of years ago even, but um, the the we have so much backlog in our immigration process that people whose paperwork is being processed now, they began applying back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So we're backlogged like... Decades. <laughs> do,
2: do you think some of that has to do with like the way that immigration was always treated in early America? Because we are a melting pot. We are. And I think of like stories of back in like back like Ellis Island, you know, and like you show up and like the term the ter- the terms that are loaded now and that we, we would not use off the boat came from that that yeah. and actually not today, even though now they are loaded terms that we would not want to use. Yeah. But do you think that some of that we're still reaping the effects of? how we were set up then because we've not really transitioned with the times and kept up to date.
1: I think you're pretty on par with that. And also, it's important to note that our immigration policy has not been updated since the late 60s, early 70s. What? So, we, like I said, it needs a lot of work. No way. And the, and there has been some progress made, but it's just so... Um, It's such a complex system, and it takes a lot of time to rework this. Especially as people are, it's not like we can stop everyone from coming in until we get our crap together. Right.
0: So, with you saying that, though, let's kind of segue here because I think we've we've really talked about what an immigrant is. We've defined what a refugee is, but I think the question I would have is, then like you know, why are we hearing so much about refugees right Mm -hmm. now? I mean, I think if 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 people are sensitive to what's on the news, you have to be confronted with this global refugee crisis that's Mm -hmm. not just affecting the United States, but it's affecting the world right now. So my question is, why, why is that?
1: Yeah. So really, I think um, it it really came to a head when the Syrian refugee crisis started back in 2011 with the Syrian civil war. And all of a sudden, we just saw a massive outpouring of Syrians into their neighboring countries because Syria, I mean, was decimated by this war. And um, the thing is, Syria is not the only country that was pouring out refugees. We also saw the Rohingya situation in, in Myanmar or what's known as Burma pouring into Bangladesh so much so that they had to build a r- island to house these refugees. Mm. Cox's Bazaar is one of the largest, if not the largest refugee camp in the world. You have situations in Kenya um, in central Mm -hmm. africa is where we're seeing so much of our refugees to the u.s now um you have all these things going on in um democratic republic of congo and um central african republic and um you're still seeing a lot and now even in recent history with the coup happening in burma there is a massive number of people fleeing burma and the violence and persecution i had
2: a burmese um student actually in my class at Southeastern this past weekend. Uh, We had a hybrid weekend and it was interesting to hear his perspective um, because I believe he is, I didn't get to talk to him as much as I had wanted to just because the weekends are so crazy, but um, he definitely was recently um, from Burma and Mm -hmm. he was here and it was interesting to hear some of his perspectives of how Things are there currently. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that and that's just the thing, right? So we have all these people from all over the place, these multiple emergencies, that's what UNHCR classifies them as, going on at one time. And it really kind of came to the forefront because of that massive like outpouring of Syrians that they were even going into European countries outside of just the neighboring countries and we didn't know what to do with everybody it was just, it was overwhelming the the refugee system and so you had countries like Germany who you know, dropped their borders and let everyone pour in, that created a crisis situation for Germany right, um, then right. you had countries like the United States that only accepted a, a very limited number.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw that I actually, mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I looked to some statistics and how the united states over the last probably a couple decades has been reducing the mm-hmm. number capping the number of refugees that have been brought in and especially specifically over the last administration two years uh, with really. trump i think it went from forty-five thousand that they capped in 2018 all the way down to 2020 at its lowest of fifteen thousand.
1: yes for and the whole
0: united states for the
1: whole united states and this is not just like Not one state gets 15,000 refugees. It is our entire country will only accept 15,000 in a year. And though, you know, the current administration has promised to raise it. I
0: saw that because President Biden announced back in February that they're raising the ceiling to 125,000 by October.
1: And that has, so far, we are not on track for that, though, that they have changed designations slightly, um, because within that 15,000, there are different windows, like people who qualify, they've changed up those designations a little bit, but we're still resting at that extremely low ceiling of 15,000.
2: Yeah, so it's. It seems then that there is definitely a refugee crisis. Mm-hmm. I think that that is like, because you gave. did you give the stats? You gave some of these stats earlier yeah. about like. Because my thing would be, is it all adults?
1: No. I mean, when you think about that,
0: that's the other part. And, yeah. and
1: that's the thing too. It's not, and people are so concerned about, you know, single men infiltrating as terrorists, but really you have families and a lot of unaccompanied children who are separated from their families or families have been killed. Um, half the refugees in 2018 were under 18. Half, half of them. Half of, yeah, that 26 or more million people were under 18. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think, I think too... I think our culture and maybe some of our listeners even, I think we pull from bad examples maybe. And like you referenced it, Mm -hmm. Germany did not do a great job per se. They had a great heart, but the way that they may have handled it was not great. Because you're right. It did create a crisis for many Germans and much of their country. So it was almost like a lack of leadership there or a misuse of leadership. And it caused another crisis. And so I think our culture then looks at that and says, well, if we do anything, then We'll end up like Germany, which is a huge jump to jump from like, we're doing absolutely hardly nothing to like, we're going to go to Germany. That's not, that's a, that's a like an illogical jump. Like, no, we're not going to become Germany. It's just, we're saying no, that but the like, pendulum there's swings a crisis that way mm-hmm. because of
0: fear and people react in moments of fear in different ways. So, well, cause
2: they're drawing from a bad example though. Yeah. Well, they're no. making an illogical. No, they are yeah. They're making an illogical conclusion. They're
0: saying we will be Germany if we change at all. Right. But I'm saying like, look, look at the way that the media and the culture shapes how that's driven yeah. and look at what happened like after nine 11 in the United States. Yeah. Look what happened after the Paris attack mm-hmm. and the way that our country Re- reacted against those things. So I think what ends up happening as we think about refugees and immigrants, so often the tenor of it is getting shaped by the moment, yeah. like what's happening and, in the world. And right? once
1: again, it just goes to show how complex of an issue this is. It is. You can't have this simple cut and dry solution to a, an issue that is not simple by any means. Mm, There's right. just so many complex factors that are working yeah. in, in how refugees yeah, might, it, it's are not moved just, about.
2: It's not happening in a vacuum. No. And it's, it's tough because sometimes you're right, Aaron, they are forgotten. Like in the reaction after 9-11, which some of that was very plausible and needed to happen, there was some security that needed to be upped. I mean, we experienced a, tra- a traumatic event in our nation that day. Mm-hmm. But because it's Certainly. not in a vacuum, they're sure. forgotten. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that is a sad thing for refugees is because due to necessary reactions They are often forgotten in
0: action, which I think what we're bringing out now is what we're doing is we're kind of shifting. Let's kind of segue here away from talking about the refugee crisis, um, all of what we've talked about at the beginning. And let's take some time to think about, you know, there's so many opinions today that would mm-hmm. shape the way that we would think about this. But I think why don't we go to the Bible right now? And let God's word help shape for us what he says about a stranger, a foreigner, an alien, a sojourner. Because when you read the Bible, what you're taken back with is that God has a heart for the foreigner. And and you'll find, and we're going to do that here. We're going to work through some passages to talk about that. Because, you know, we titled this episode, The Stranger Among You. And and the point of the podcast today is, is not to just we We want to point to and inform uh, the listener, I guess, about uh, the crisis that is happening in our world. But I think it's much more to think about it individually mm-hmm. of how 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 is God leading you? Uh, in your life, in your place and your, you know, cause some people might be listening to this and they, they think, well, I'm not right on the border. You know, I think that's what a lot of times people think is like, well, I'm not right on the border. So I don't face this, which is yeah. completely inaccurate. I mm-hmm. mean, we were just talking here where we, where we live in the Roanoke Valley, the Roanoke Valley has become one of the hubs in mm-hmm. a sense for some of these yeah. immigrants and migrants. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just changing our whole way um, having a gospel-centered focus when we think about individuals, that we're thinking about people who are unlike us, because the Bible makes a big point to talk about that.
1: Well, and that's the thing, too. That's what kind of stunned me when I started um, targeting my my degree toward this in college and going to a school like Liberty that's so biblically-minded and, and informed in all their teaching. This is not a new thing. Like The refugee crisis may seem new to us, but, I mean, people have been migrating about the earth for various reasons for generations, even in biblical times to the Old Testament. I mean, that's why God gave so many commands, not just suggestions regarding sojourners, which is the term that he used for, you know, foreigners, but commands on how to treat them and how we are to live with them.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like the nation of Israel was kind of like in and out of refugee status <laughs> no, for, Joseph's for brothers. thousands Joseph's of brothers <laughs> years. were at <in> all
0: points <laughs> refugees mm-hmm. in the famine. Yeah, Moses
2: right? Moses was a refugee. I mean, Jesus, you literally look like, all up in the Bible. Know. I guess it's
0: funny. He's I was so like, about this. guys, did you realize that Jesus was a refugee?
1: And I was like, yeah, I, I did. I did yeah. know that. I don't know but. why. Yeah, I
0: just, you always think about him going down to Egypt, but you didn't often think about why. They were
1: fleeing targeted persecution because they were a, they were, he, he was a Hebrew boy, and they and King Herod had commanded his army to slay all right. of the Hebrew children. So, so they Jesus fled. himself
0: was a refugee. Yeah, mm-hmm. and where he, he, mm-hmm. he was, Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we people want to try and paint Jesus to be in the 21st century that yes, are not biblically inaccurate or historically accurate. Historically <laughs> accurate. But, this <laughs> but, but this one is. <laughs> this one is. This one actually does one fit is. the. It does fit the bill. So you know when 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 I did just like a brief um, look over the words that the Bible would use for this as stranger foreigner, aliens, sojourner. We mm-hmm. find those terms used over a hundred times in the Bible. No way. Over a hundred times. And I think probably where we're first introduced to it is in the book of Deuteronomy. So mm-hmm. why don't we go to Deuteronomy? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think it, you referenced it, Stephen, like as Joseph's brothers, in a sense, as refugees fleeing. I mean, I, I mean, I guess they, well, I well, mean, they, they were didn't coming have, yeah. because of a famine, but mm-hmm. wouldn't that be...
1: Well, I mean, I in see, our see, modern in sense, in biblical days, biblical days they, they would have been probably, yes. The, <laughs> no, that, they don't tough. meet the international definition now, but also but our maybe, policy but, has changed yeah, a lot. The children, <laughs> of,
2: the children of Israel were refugees. If you think about how they well, were the Lord, displaced from Egypt forcibly, the Lord and now they were led around. He I, mean, does, he I can does. do you
1: one better, Aaron. We actually see it first in Exodus oh, 23, 9, okay. where he says, well, this is the Lord speaking. He says, you shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner for you were... Sojourners in the land of Egypt. So a right. displaced person outside of their homeland. Yeah, right. And what was that? What was that uh, place was, in Deuteronomy well, you we're going to go? A couple go.
0: places. It's Deuteronomy ten. I'd like to look at Deuteronomy ten and then look at Deuteronomy twenty four.
1: Oh, both but, good. Yeah.
0: But in Deuteronomy ten, verse nineteen, God tells the people, He says, "Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt." He's mm-hmm. picking up on what happened. Um, and then, and then God tells him again in Deuteronomy chapter 24, um, Deuteronomy chapter 24. And if one of you guys are there, why don't you read verse 18 and 19 for us? All righty. Deuteronomy 24 verse
2: 18, you said? Yeah. And 19. All right. Verse 18 says, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord, your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So, I mean, God's providing for the sojourner through His people there. And,
1: and I love that verse because it kind of highlights. He, he gives like three different designations: fatherless, widows, and sojourners. And when mm. you think about refugees, most of the time they fit more than just the sojourner category. Mm. Many of them are fatherless; their families have been killed in in conflict and in Old war.
0: Definition of yes,
1: one. and and the widows. <laughs> right. Many of their husbands have died. And so these are the most vulnerable people in the world. We saw it as we see then and as we see now.
0: I mean, because you see that here in Deuteronomy, right? Because like God's people were sojourners as well mm-hmm. and the chosen people. And and so you see this emphasis that God is, as they come out of Egypt and God reconstitutes them as a nation, you know, and he gives them his law, I, I think he He does that in a way to define for them what their life should be about. And Mm -hmm. I think it's in, and you see God's heart for God's heart for the nations in that, because even in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verse 12, listen to, uh, what is told to the people there. Moses wrote the law and he gave it to the priest. And this is one of the things that was said in verse 10, 12, assemble the people, men, women, and little ones and the sojourner within your towns. Mm. That they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. So what you're seeing commanded there from Moses and then that is going to be instituted in uh, the people of Israel in Joshua's day Mm -hmm. was that when the word of God is taught, when when it's given to the people, to the men, women and little ones, I mean, you see God's heart for all people here and. The sojourner within your towns and the the whole point of this, like the whole reason of why, why was Israel to, to treat the foreigners, the sojourners in this way? Well, well, so that they could learn to fear the Lord.
1: Yeah, and so that I mean the Lord was including them to be part of his people by teaching them about him and I love uh, Leviticus 19:33 and 34. Um this just shows like God laying down how they're supposed to live with these strangers among them. When a stranger sojourns, sojourns with you in your land, you shall do you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns who sojourns with you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Which, saying, which,
0: which passage was that in uh, Leviticus nineteen in Leviticus, thirteen? Yeah.
1: He, treat them as natives. Right. You shall love them as yourself. And that is just so mind boggling to me because mm. it's so opposite of what we see even right. in the church today.
0: Well, and I think when you hear that verse, you have to think about what Jesus said about Uh, the great commandment of loving God and loving others. And I think in Matthew 25, uh, there's a passage here in Matthew 25 from verse verse 35 to 40. uh, Jesus is speaking here and listen to what he says. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Hmm. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And did we, and when did we see you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And then notice what Jesus says. He says, and then the King will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so what Jesus is doing is Jesus is identifying himself as a stranger to be welcomed. I mean, not only do we talk about Jesus was a refugee, but here Jesus is showing us that, that that the way that you love others, the way that you welcome others is 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 exactly how you're doing it unto him.
1: hmm. It is it is, and I um I came upon a, a blog post uh, it was kind of random, but just when I was looking about you know how God wants us to treat uh, these people, it was called um loving the sojourner and reflecting God's heart for immigrants and refugees this person said how someone treated a sojourner revealed their righteousness or unrighteousness. Not caring for the sojourner is not just neglecting a noble thing. It's unrighteousness before God. It falls short of what reflects him and what he requires of his people. Mm-hmm. And, and when Jesus was saying all of these things, like, you know, seeking out the least of these and feeding him when he was hungry and clothing him and visiting him in prison, it just, I mean, it just goes to show, like, Jesus so closely identifies with these people. Gentle and lowly and invulnerable.
2: Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's, I think it's astounding when you read the Bible with this in mind, and you're actually looking for it. How much will yeah. show up to you? I mean, we always read through Matthew one because nobody reads the genealogies, right? And we just like da 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 da. Uh, there's three strangers <laughs> in Matthew just one. Even
0: reading the genealogies. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's how
2: people think of genealogies, but. There's three strangers in the genie. Well, there are technically Foreigners. four. Foreigners. Technically mm-hmm.
0: four. Foreigners to Israel, um,
2: depending on Bathsheba's ethnicity, because some people would say Uriah was a Hittite, so she was. But mm-hmm. that, that's that. up for that's I up for. That. I'd say it's four. You can, that, we can say it's four. Biblically, but say it's definitely, four. <laughs> definitely Ruth, Tamar, and Rahab. Yeah, And exactly. they are considered to be strange. And Ruth is a great example. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. perfect example of how we should be treating. The stranger among us, the foreigner among us, and while she maybe was not by technical UN definitions of a, a refugee, she was a foreigner among mm-hmm. them, and she had been displaced because her husband died, and mm-hmm. now she, maybe she could have gone home and whatnot, but she is still displaced there. And the way that she is cared for, and then marries Boaz, and now is in the lineage of but I Jesus think it's the Christ. Way you see Naomi. Yeah, Reaching well, yeah out she cares to Ruth. for her. I mean, because that's what you see just so striking there. You see, the, you see the heart of a Christian, but you see the heart of God because she's included. She doesn't have to be included in the genealogy. Mm-hmm. Right. Bo, Boaz is the one who gets included in the genealogy because that's how Jew, Jewish historians did it. You include the male uh, father. Ruth right. is in the genealogy. Mm-hmm that shows God's heart for a foreigner who has been taken in and who has become a part of the lineage, who is living righteously and who is, in his lineage. And so I think you see God's
0: heart for the nations through that. Yeah, no, I, I misspoke when I said that. Cause you see, you see Ruth reaching out to Naomi because yeah. Naomi tells her to go home. She did. not mm-hmm. she She's said, like, go Hey, go home. And, and, mm-hmm. and she didn't, she didn't do that. I mean, yeah, you, she even yeah. talks about like, Hey, your God will be my God. Like your people, my people. And yeah,
2: technically you would see Naomi's heart more of our heart maybe huh. sometimes. <laughs> and then Boaz is the one who actually um, kind of takes her in once he comes and starts working for her in that whole and whole that, story. <laughs> well, And that just
1: even goes to show like how specific the Lord, you know, laid out provisions for sojourners and foreigners, right? I mean, the gleaning system, we see so much of that in the book of Ruth, right? Like, To the point where the Lord is feeding them, you know.
2: Where was that laid out too? We read it earlier in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Like that principle has been carried down. It might have changed a little bit Mm -hmm. through time,
0: but the principle still stands. But I think you see that by Jesus's day, a lot of those things that were instituted to Israel were not being practiced that way. Right. Because even the way that he gives this harsh rebuke mm-hmm. about, you know, hey, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And, mm-hmm. and all of the, you know, the righteous people are listening. And they're like, well, even, you know, they're thinking, well, what, wait, when did we do that? When did we do that? I'm pretty know? sure
1: we didn't see you yeah, like that, Jesus. Didn't see you
0: like, Or we would have done something about it, Jesus. But Jesus is like, no, but the way you did it to the least of these, uh, you've done it to me. And so I see there in that passage and in other places when Jesus teaches, you know, the royal law. Uh, to love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. you know, the neighbor in the Gospels is not the person that lives closest to us. It's mm-hmm. it's the person who is most unlike us. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus parables and Jesus is teaching the the neighbor was the Samaritan, it was a foreigner, it was the one who was least like you, it was. It was somebody who was unclean, right? So, that, so why? Because those would be the people that you would normally avoid. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And Jesus is, yeah. says, no, those
0: are the people that you're to love.
2: Yeah. Jesus' definition of a neighbor was whoever you're interacting with at this moment. That was his definition. It doesn't matter whether they like you or not. Whoever you're interacting with at this moment, that's your neighbor. Whoever yeah. they are, whoever that is, whoever you have the ability to interact with, that's your neighbor.
0: So, and even the gospel goes to the people like that in the book of Acts. Yeah. I mean, look at the places where the gospel is going in the book of Acts, even in Acts two, who were the first people to respond to the gospel when the gospel was preached there in Pentecost? Well, it, it wasn't was foreign. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> Jews. Well, they were Jews, but they were, well, maybe it's a mix there was a mix, but <laughs> there were foreigners who were dwelling in Jerusalem that heard the gospel in their own tongue. Yeah. Right. It wasn't those, just Jews. No, it was a yeah. mixed pot.
2: And that's even seen in like, but the I, think commission, those were Jews. I think, yeah, that's even seen in the commissioning in yeah. Acts one mm-hmm. of like, yeah. they went into Jerusalem, Judea and the outermost parts of the earth. Like right. it's
0: all over.
1: Yeah.
2: So you can't could, miss
0: it. So let's think about this for a minute, because I think what, what we do is when we come to the word of God, what we, what we discover is that, well, God's heart is for all nations and, God is passionate uh, about the refugees, uh the immigrants, people uh who are unlike you and people who are coming um for whatever reason, right? You know, I think what's so interesting that I find about the Bible is the Bible maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but but it but it never it never explains the the criteria for when you're to do that. As long as the immigrant checks these boxes or as long as the sojourner does i mean is there anything that you guys can think about i mean i mean because i think it's a pretty much blanket blanket statement and command
1: and yeah like not just a suggestion not for just when you feel like doing this or just when your country's in this right state you know because
0: that's where our cultural perceptions of what's happening today challenge i mean it shapes the way that we think about things because i think what ends up happening is we're we're willing to give a certain response for a documented immigrant, but mm-hmm. we're least willing to give a same response for an undocumented or yeah. or, or to, to take whatever example you want to use. I just yeah, think it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, w- I would push
2: back a little bit in the sense of we are called to submit to our authorities. And so even if our authorities are imperfect, as a Christian, I have a hard time supporting something that violates the law of a nation, even if it is imperfect. But I think what you're arguing here is this. It's not that you're accepting necessarily of what they do. You are helping them where they're at. And I think that that's what it goes back to is I think we are so consumed right now in our nation and our culture of we're either for everybody coming across the border, no matter what, or we're all against it. And there's a middle ground that we can, I believe, as a Christian that I am willing to stand on. I can't speak for you guys, but I'm willing to stand on and say you know what, I might not agree with what that undocumented immigrant is doing. Because mm-hmm. I, I can't. B- a biblical, I don't feel like I can support something, even if the system is broken. If I'm called to obey the laws of my nation, I can't support it completely. However, that doesn't mean that I can't support them and share the gospel with them and reach them while they're here and maybe lead them along to Jesus to where they can maybe make some decisions better down the road for their lives. Cause if they're here, I have an opportunity to minister, even if I don't agree with personally or
0: in citizenly as the way they got. No, me. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't give a qualifier. For the sure. way that we are and, to treat people, and,
1: and the Bible doesn't command us to help people cross illegally into our country. The Bible doesn't command us to to do. It no. commands mm-hmm. us to care for the people who are among us, mm-hmm. and no matter how they got how they here, got it doesn't. It doesn't like, matter. God's heart for them f- to care for them has not changed. Um, and and of course, once again, this is an entirely complex issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the fact is. that they are here among us um we shouldn't i know we're going to get on this in the next episode we, we shouldn't so. show partiality depending on how they we arrived
0: because I, you're right, Morgan, and I think that's where we're going to go because we're going to have an, another episode after this where we're getting to this a little bit more in depth. Uh, we're we're going to really kind of talk about some of the perceptions, I think, in today. We're
1: going to get personal.
0: Uh, it, it's going to get very personal <laughs> in the next episode. So, you know, we hope that you would stay with us for that. But, you know, I just but, but the thing that hits me as I read all of these scripture verses is that. You know, and I guess the one thing that really challenged me as I read this um, these verses this week was that um, the stranger is among us. Mm -hmm. It 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 is it is not this hypothetical question of what is happening in other parts of the world, um, because I would say probably most of our listeners are listening from the United States or maybe in other countries where where maybe they're not experiencing the level of displacement that is happening in certain countries. And I think what ends up happening is there's this attitude that, well, that's other, but it's not here. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, when you read these scriptures, you know, Jesus, it does a way of just driving uh, the missile to the heart of showing, look, it, it's not just one qualified type of person. Like mm-hmm. there are people who have experienced all of these different types of things. And in all of them, they were the stranger, but in the way that you treated the stranger and welcoming them, uh, you, you, Jesus identifies him himself as that. And so, I, I, what I take away as I think about this episode is what would it look like if Christians around the world? Because the statistic today for Bible-believing Christians around the world is larger, I believe, than the number of refugees. Oh yeah,
1: quite by, larger. by several hundreds. So, <laughs>
0: What would it look like if the attitude is not an attitude of fear, not an attitude of apathy, but it's an attitude of welcoming, Mm. welcoming. And I'll just say this because I know there's there's probably so many different stories, but I'll never forget. There's a there's a lady who is in our church today uh, because she was displaced during a. Uh, War, a war. And they were refugees. And they were in all points refugees. They came and a church, sponsored them to bring them into the United States. And for years, you know, they they were here working. And over the last couple of years, they have her daughter became her daughter and her son in law became um, members of our church here katba and through that opportunity our church was given an opportunity to welcome her mm-hmm. and uh, to to show her love and came from a very strong Islamic background and has since professed faith in Christ mm-hmm. and and I think it was the way you hear her story it, it is the the defining thing that that changed her perception and all that was that the, the way that the church welcomed her and mm-hmm. made her feel um, loved.
1: Oh, amen. I never get tired of hearing that story. <laughs>
2: and that, and I think that that is a great success story too, and a testament to how when everything works out the way it should, it's a great
0: picture of what it should look like. And I'm right? not saying that to like prop up always, the church. I'm I'm just no, saying that as an example that. It I takes, think you can prop because, up the church. That, but no, that, but that's, no, but that's something that I see as an example of like,
2: it, takes it away shows the me otherness. that the
0: stranger is not other. It's not a way like those are people living in our own community, well, yeah, yeah. in but our own community. I don't think you have to defend you
2: speaking well of our church because our church did minister to her. Our church did accept them. And we're a country church um, and country churches generally have stereotypes, but mm. we didn't play to the stereotype. We were willing to minister to them. And they are, uh, they are now Christians and faithful Christians, you know? And And every bit
1: as part of our faith family as anyone else. Oh, yeah. Certainly.
2: Oh, yeah. So I think that that's a testament to how when things go according to God's word, not according to our church, but according to God's word, when churches and people follow God's word, things can beneficially happen
0: right in your backyard that you never thought would or could. Yeah. So, you know, we'll just wrap up this way today. We've been talking about this season, the way that the gospel changes things. And the way that gospel transforms communities and places. We've been talking about missions, about how God uh, is doing things around the world. And we've been talking last time about, you know, uh, indigenous missions. And I think this plays off of that in a sense, because what if the model that the church has used for so long of going into all the world, which is commanded and is important, and it's not an either or, but that we as well would welcome welcome uh, the people that God is orchestrating to come into our country, into mm-hmm. our place. And our response wouldn't be fear, but rather we would see it as a gospel opportunity uh, to love people so that their life could be changed for by Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for listening to where we land Christ culture and the church. Hey, listen, we're so glad to have you with us today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we hope that you'll stay tuned and join us next week for our second part, as we're talking about when the stranger becomes your neighbor. So we hope you'll join us here next time. We'll see you then.